Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, at Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Shamefully, Kieran, despite everything we've said about boycotting this World Cup, we are fitting this in on Wednesday between the, the Spain thrashing Costa Rica and Belgium playing Canada. Because like 12-year-olds, when football's on, when you have to watch the football. Although, Kieran, it's it, as, a, as a news story, this is a tournament that keeps on giving. We'll discuss this story in more detail on Sunday, but uh, news coming out that Denmark have suggested a quite radical uh, move this afternoon. Yes, uh, they are trying to persuade other countries and they've prepared themselves to um, cut the relationship, cut the ties with FIFA um, because of unhappiness with the way that uh, Gianni Infantino has uh, made things difficult for European clubs who are unsatisfied with or dissatisfied with certain aspects of uh, the way that fans have been able to wear clothes, uh, that uh, you know, they're not allowed to wear the armband and so on. Um, so, yeah, w- watch this space. Um, but, you know, and we fully understand that the activities off the pitch don't mirror what's happening on the pitch because it's got to be said, it's been a fantastic tournament in terms of football, but we, we can't just view the football in isolation just as you, you can't separate the artist from the art, uh, which is why I don't listen to Morrissey anymore. Yeah, you still listen to the Smiths, though. That's the trouble, isn't it? It's the same with me. It's um, mm. it, it seems from what we can hear this afternoon from reputable sources that uh, the FA are one of the countries that Denmark are talking to and that the English FA are very amenable to this discussion. What it means in terms of FIFA, UEFA, we will hopefully we'll have more details by Sunday and we will discuss it then. I, th- I think as well, Kieran, certain FIFA officials are hinting that when we say FIFA, they would perhaps prefer us to say Infantino because it's 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 clear that he's totally enthralled to the Qatari government. It, it seems he's just it, he's doing what he's told at the moment, I and mean, he's he's just not fit for purpose. Full stop. Is he? Well, perhaps today he feels Qatari, just as you know. Yesterday he felt like a woman, and the day before he claimed to feel gay, and the day day before that he, he claimed to be African. Yeah, well, he, he he lives in Qatar, so I think it's more likely he feels Qatari than any of the other things. To be perfectly honest, um, it it doesn't seem possible, Kieran, but um, FIFA have been upstaged by uh, one player who's in the World Cup, but also was playing for an English club. And that same English club, Manchester United, have, have leapt to the headlines, haven't they? Yes, yes, indeed. So, uh, first of all, uh, we had the announcement on uh, Tuesday evening that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo had agreed to leave Manchester United by mutual consent. Um, what's likely to have happened is there will have been threats by both sides um, and... Uh, I think Cristiano Ronaldo has has engineered this because if he had been uh, if, if he'd actually agreed a a deal with Manchester United then um there could have been some form of financial settlement which wouldn't necessarily have been particularly beneficial to him but he would have also had to have signed uh, a non-disclosure agreement and he wouldn't have been able to have his uh sort of the equivalent of somebody sa- saying that yeah I've been called a slag on Facebook um, yeah, sort of, you know, 
magnified via uh, Piers Morgan, uh, sort of you know asking him a bunch of uh, very very easy questions. So um, he he won't be playing for Manchester United again from their point of view. Um, they they won't have to pay him probably around about twelve million pounds, which was the remaining uh, wage cost in terms of his contract. People say, well, surely uh, that will have an impact upon shirt sales, but it but it wasn't. Manchester United's merchandise sales um, in the last twelve months in in season twenty one twenty two were actually the lowest they'd been for for six years, um, and and that's more to do with with broader issues in respect of the club. So it, it, it's it's a sad end in the way for you know people can dislike him because he played for Manchester United. But uh, he is uh, an incredible athlete. He, he was their leading goal scorer last season. And um, like all relationships, when things start to sour, they can very rapidly go downhill. Some suggestion as well, though, Kieran, that it might be good news for Man United and it frees up some transfer money in January. Yes, uh, it, it will allow them to uh, reduce their ongoing commitments in, in terms of the Ronaldo issue. Um, so Manchester United have spent a lot of money uh, over the course of this summer. Um, okay, we, we don't talk about what's happened on the pitch. I think it'll be a very interesting January transfer window because you've got players returning from the World Cup. Some will be fatigued, some won't. Um, and, and I think Manchester United will have to, like all other clubs, to do an assessment as to um, the, the resources they require for the rest of the season. But in the case of Manchester United, they, they want to be in the top four because... It, it's it's Champions League or, or nowhere, as far as uh, some clubs are concerned. And, and possibly, in the way that Boy George will be upset at being upstaged by Matt Hancock, Cristiano Ronaldo may be upset, but he's been upstaged by the owners of the club. Yes. Um, an, an hour after the uh, the announcement with regards to Cristiano Ronaldo came out, um, rumours started to circulate that Manchester United was up for sale. Um, we saw a surge in the club's share price on the back of that. Um, the share price has effectively increased by a quarter over the course of the last twenty-five, sorry, last twenty-four hours. Um, and then there was a a sort of very corporate uh, press release coming out, which said that the Glazer family were open to discussion with regards to uh, you know, other people wanting to help them take the club forwards. So this was. Uh, could be this could be in the form of an investor who just buys a percentage of the club, a, a minority percentage. Although I would probably caution against that. If uh, if, if it's you against six of the Glazer family, um, you know how they you probably know how they're going to vote, and and it's it's not going to be on the basis of the sensibleness of the decision. It's uh, you know families tend to stick together, but the alternative to that would be uh, an overall takeover, a complete sale of Manchester United, um, and that's why the share price has surged because investors or speculators will be looking at uh, a prospective sale of the club probably uh, in the region of four to four and a half billion pounds I've, I've been busy with the spreadsheet overnight um you know the uh, uh, the Baroness uh, was was wondering what on earth I was doing at 2 a.m on the internet and uh, it was in fact <laughs> ta- ta- downloading some historical figures um but uh <laughs> But that that means that uh, if if somebody does come in, they're likely to be paying somewhere in the region of you know twenty four twenty six dollars per share. Um, Manchester United share price was thirteen dollars 
um, before the announcements first started to come through. It's now at uh, $17, and, and certainly there's scope if you are a speculator to, to make a quick buck if it all comes to fruition, but there's no guarantee in business of anything. Do you realise, Kim, it's probably slightly embarrassing for the Baroness when she's having lunch on a Friday with some of the other ladies from near the vineyard, and one of them says, oh, my husband's up at two o'clock every morning looking at Pornhub, and the other women all go, I oh, know, it's terrible, what can you do? And the poor old Baroness has to sit there going, yeah, my one's on looking up company's house. <laughs> um, also slightly embarrassingly as well, <laughs> the day before the Glazers announcement, I was working with an American uh, comedian who says, oh, I hear the Glazers are selling up. I went, I don't think so. I th- <laughs> think you'll find the price of football would know that before you do, yeah, young American. Um, is it is it a coincidence, Kieran, that this is coming so soon after the Liverpool announcement? No, I think you're absolutely right in uh, in, in linking the two things together. Um, what we saw earlier in this year, first of all, was the sale of, of Chelsea for £2.5 billion, and, and that did cause eyebrows to raise. Chelsea was a distressed asset. Uh, Roman Abramovich's other assets had, had all been frozen by the UK government. Um, there was a genuine chance uh, on, on one or two occasions that Chelsea would have gone out of business. Um, it had lost £900,000 a week for 19 years. So who in their right minds would come in and uh, you know buy the club for such a price, then spend um, £62 million on Kukurea? You know, that shows just yeah. how daft the new owners were. Um, and... Uh, that that sort of started to sow a few seeds in in the minds of Fenway Sports Group because they their, their attempt to take over the domestic game through Project Big Picture had failed. Their attempts to effectively control the European game via the Super League that had failed. So where is the growth uh, in in the club um, that they've been hoping for? I think they they perhaps perceive us to be now at maximum Premier. Premier League, um, and therefore you, you get out whilst you're on top. You know, just you know, it, it, I think they're very good in terms of timing. Um, they've got a very good relationship with the Glazer family because they've worked on both of those projects together historically. And I, I suspect there's been communication between the two parties. Um, there's been a lot of interest in Liverpool, and therefore the Glazers said, "Well, if, if Liverpool are up for sale at a peak price." Um, can we extract some peak value from Manchester United at the same time? Um, and also, it means that we're, we're not being abused left, right, and centre on social media. Uh, the the problem is, Kieran, and you say about a new owner taking on the Glazers in the boardroom. I reckon I'll, I would take I'd take them on in the Porsons, all six of them, quite happily. <laughs> but the, whoever buys Liverpool, if somebody buys Liverpool, uh, one individual buys Liverpool, then he will have to spend money on the squad. Probably it's an aging squad. But the ground's in good shape. Whereas oh. whoever, whoever buys Manchester United for, what sort of figure would you expect one person to pay? I think we're looking at four to four and a half billion, uh, based on uh, various uh, multiples that I've, I've been looking at and, and trying to get a, a real flavour. There's a case for saying you could go you know, as, as far as five billion because. Um, you know, there's only one Mona Lisa. There's only one Manchester United in terms of um, it's the one football club that if you go anywhere in the world and you say, you know, name me a football club from England, it's likely to be the first one that they mention. In it. So for that uh, for that trophy asset, for that unique place they, they, they 
play as far as uh, English and perhaps European football is concerned, you know, that adds potential value to uh, to the asking price. Well, also what adds potential money to the asking price is that you've discussed this quite often. Old Trafford needs work, without a doubt. And if Manchester United is, are to be competitive at the top of the table, if that's what the new owner wants, that squad needs work as well. So that's uh, uh, lots of extra millions, isn't it? Yes, it is. But I know this sounds sort of you know very glib in a in a world which is going through an economic crisis. If, if you're paying four, four and a half, five billion pounds for for a company, spending five hundred, six hundred million on um, improving its efficiency is is actually relatively small beer because. Um, you know, compared to the the original price, it, it's a bit like uh, you know, you're buying a house and uh, you know just putting in a couple of new windows. So uh, I, I don't think that will put off new prospective owners. Manchester United generates 110 million pounds a year from ticket sales in its present form. I think the attraction of expanding the stadium will be that there's no reason why it couldn't you know, add another 40 to 50 million on top of that quite easily because the new owners are most likely to be targeting expansion towards the, the prawn sandwich brigade um, and the hospitality sector. Uh, I was going for a lower rent example of that, Kieran. I was going to say it's like when you go into the pub on a cold day and you ask for a pint of Guinness and they say, do you want a whiskey with that? You go, all right. Uh, peanuts go go on push the boat out Um, it's Christmas uh, approaching Kieran as you can tell by the increasing amount of joy in my voice but for one South East London club uh, the Grinch has arrived early before Christmas yes um, this is uh, Millwall um, and uh, Millwall have had to effectively close down their retail operation because the the agents of Hummel, who are the their kit manufacturers, Elite Sports, um, have difficulties. Mm. Now, it, it's not only affecting Millwall. Uh, <coughs> Southampton have had to do the same. Coventry have had to do the same because all of those kits are made by by Hummel, and um, therefore, uh, there, I think there is a there is a danger, there is a suspicion that uh, Elite Sports um, may have to go into administration because. Um, there's, 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 there's a, the more you start to look at this story, the more and more some um, uh, sort of friends of the show start to appear. So Elite Sports have a dispute with with Rangers. Yeah, um, that is all to do with uh, Mike Ashley um, and a and a kit deal. So that's looking complicated. Uh, Elite Sports were fined by a Scottish court um, in respect of a price fixing deal. Um, as were Rangers, as were um, as were sport, as were another uh, company as well. So um, you know that that all caused issues um, and cash flow problems. I understand that Elite Sports also supply Wasps Rugby Club. Now Wasp Rugby Club doesn't exist, so therefore there's a lot of cash tied up in in their kits and, and what's going to happen to that. So that's causing more cash flow problems. Um, so yeah, Millwall have had to close down their their ability to to sell kit, and of course, yeah, we've got Black Friday coming up later this week. It's uh, it's peak selling season in terms of of uh, Christmas presents. So you know, all of these clubs would be looking to to sell merchandise and and to make some return on the back of that. And uh, you cannot sell football clubs in January and February for love nor money mm-hmm. because everybody's spent 
you know what what they've got and 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 belts are being tightened so um there's there's no winners in uh in, in respect of this um I, I think in in the case of Southampton some fans have have already paid for kit and they've not received it if elite go into administration the administrators aren't obliged to to forward them the kit they become unsecured creditors so it it could turn out uh, quite bad for uh, the the fans of some of these clubs. Although you know Southampton as, as a Premier League club, you know perhaps the owners will say, "Well, we will honour those contracts um, in due course um, because we want to maintain good relations with the fans." Uh, this story only broke this afternoon, Kieran. Uh, and as you know, my research is cursory at best. Um, and when I only had an hour between the end of the Germany game and the start of the Spain game. Uh, 10 minutes of which was spent with me and Ed laughing after the end of the Germany game because uh, that was hilarious. Uh, it seems to me, though, that at Millwall, the whole of the club shop is, has stopped. It's not just selling shirts, and there seems to be a lot of angry fans. And also, in the course of that cursory research, it seems that Millwall don't actually run their own club shop. Is that correct? Um, that that does appear to be the case, um, and, and that's often uh, how how things are, are organised. You effectively outsource. So, in the case of Everton, who ironically they they their kit is made by Hummel, um, but they've outsourced it to another organisation called Fanatic. So, Everton fans will be able to buy Hummel kits. Southampton and Millwall and Coventry and some other fans. Uh, they won't be able to buy Hummel kit until the the issue with elite sports is uh, is resolved. So the Southampton shop, I believe, has been closed down. I, I think Coventry, uh, you've got to feel for the fans of that club. Yeah, oh, it's God, just yeah. one one issue after another. You know, they 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 lost the ground. Um, they, they, they've been there've been issues. It looks like now that the club has been acquired by somebody new. But the you know is the ground being acquired or is the ground being acquired by Mike Ashley, who's already come up in this conversation um, uh, on one occasion? Um, Coventry City fans have—I uh, don't know what they've done, but, but don't bother buying a lottery ticket for a long time if I were you. Yeah, well, uh, John Hartson, rather bizarrely, was saying that that they've never been the same since he left. That was his theory today. Well, he was co-commons, yeah. It's, and he just said it in passing, all because he, they asked if he'd ever played with some Moroccan players. He said, oh, yeah, at Coventry, we had a really good side, but then I left and uh, it all went downhill from them. So, okay. That's, you, you believe what you want to believe, John. I, I was surprised to hear that. I, I just assumed every club run their own club shop. I, I'm surprised to hear that they – it's maybe Palace do as well, but, but you would assume that's one thing the club would, would run themselves, wouldn't you? No, no. I, I think the the Chelsea megastore was run by Nike, um, well, and, and that caused complications when when Chelsea had their uh, their Abramovich related issues early this season. Um, you know, fo- football clubs at times will say, "Well, we simply, we simply don't want the risk of of running it." Um, you're experts in retail. You're you can you can therefore focus on that aspect of of the club, and, and we will simply either charge you a rental fee, or we will come to some arrangement in terms of commissions uh, for sales, and and the the activity therefore becomes somebody else's problem. Now you know, Kieran, as a as a Palace fan, uh, we have pretend beef with Watford. They they don't like us. We pretend to care. It's not really an issue. But there is one approach that Watford take to acquiring money that I quite like because they basically have the same attitude towards it that I have. When they want more of it, they borrow it. Yes. Um, this is uh, – it's five weeks since Watford 
last went to uh, a bank and said, <laughs> can you give us some more money? Um, and they, they, they've done that quite a few occasions already this season uh, in, in respect of players that they sold to Udinese, which is the, the club which is, of course, owned by the Pozzo family who also own, uh, who also own Watford. Um, and this, this does get my you know, amber, uh, amber lights, if not red, ringing. Um, given that Watford are, of course, in receipt of parachute payments, yeah. they've they've sold quite a few players over the course of the summer, and, and as we've sort of established, most deals these days are done on credit. So therefore, a club will pay perhaps fifty percent of the deal um, as a deposit, and then pay the rest in instalments over two or three years or whatever it's going to be. Well, this latest case uh, is in relation to uh, Emmanuel Dennis, who they sold to Forest. Um, if 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 they paid down half as a deposit, Forest they've they've paid nine million pounds, but there's two instalments of four and a half million, which are due to be paid in in 2023, I think, in 2024. And Watford has said we're not prepared to wait for those instalments. They've they've gone to our good friends Macquarie, the the Australian Vampire Kangaroo Bank, um, who are are quite um, famous, stroke infamous in the football world, and and they do a very professional job. You know, I I, I like calling. Them them names, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not uh, criticising their, their their lack of uh, being able to to come up with these deals. And, and what happens is that Watford say, "Look, we've got two IOUs from Nottingham Forest. Um, those are worth nine million pounds each. How much will you give them for us?" So it's a bit like going to a pawnbroker. It's a bit like going to a payday lender. Um, and, and Macquarie will say, "Well, you know, you are Watford. You're not guaranteed on getting back to the Premier League this season. We'll give you, you know, it could be eight million, it could be eight point five, it could be seven point five, but it's like it's likely they're going to be charging interest of, you know, probably eight, nine, ten percent on this. Um, so it 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 indicates to me that that Watford are in need of cash more than anything else." Um, they've still got some very good players, yeah, and, and they certainly have turned things around on the pitch in the last few weeks. Um, I, I suspect the reason why they've done this is because they have shot up the table. The last thing they want to do is to have to sell a couple of players in the January window, and therefore this is a way of preventing that being a necessity. I'm not necessarily speaking from experience here, Kieran, but does the bank never say to them, hang on a second, what did you do with that last eight million quid? You're only, you're only here five weeks ago. Well, yeah, that, that that did make me think exactly the same thing. Um, yeah, Watford have got a, a a squad that has come down from the Premier League. Um, they do have significant pay cuts embedded into contracts. Should that be the case? But uh, you know, Wat- Watford don't generate huge crowds themselves. You know, they 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 do reasonably well by by the standards of a Championship club. Um, and and cash is king in business, and, and clearly they want some to, to help them last out the next few months. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone. 
whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Another club we've talked about a lot recently, Kieran, a lot, have also improved uh, on the pitch, but off the pitch, things aren't getting any better for Southend United. Yes, uh, and we've often spoken about, you know, that there are many reasons why we love being football fans and why we're proud to be football fans. Well, I think what's happened at Southend is another example of this. Um non-playing staff haven't been paid now you know these are the people like like you and I that get a monthly paycheck or uh, you know get money coming in which you are reliant upon and um if if that money doesn't materialize because your employer for whatever reason says no, we're not paying you we're paying you late well you've got standing orders you've got direct debits you end up paying bank charges and it creates you know it, un- it creates uncertainty it creates stresses for for people well here the the shrimpers trust the uh, southampton the south end united supporters group um they've gone out and they've lent the club 40 grand of their own money yeah. in good faith to allow those non-playing staff to be paid yet what other industry would you get where your customers say we're going to do our best we're going to give our money to uh, to people whom we, we don't have a direct connection with you know because we go along effectively to watch the first team but uh, you, you've got to give huge credit here to the shrimpers trust I, i've also <laughs> spoken to some people connected to south end united uh, we, we can't say who, um, and you know from the stories that we're hearing that the club isn't paying uh, bills, and, and therefore things are having to be bought um, effectively um, on a goodwill basis by by those people connected to the club rather than the club itself, and and, and that's that's very disappointing because um, the owner of Southend, Ron Ron Martin, um, potentially could become extremely rich through the sale of Roots Hall um, and its development into um, residential properties or retail properties and, and relocating the ground. I think it's called Fossett's Hall or Fossett's something. Um, but uh, he is a he's a successful guy in his own right as well. So you know, why he's playing this game of you know, who blinks first in respect of uh, deals with the revenue and kicking down the road money owed to them, um, it, it, does seem, it does seem very harsh. Um, and the danger is, is is that goodwill ebbs away more and more between owner and fan base, and, and it makes it difficult for the owner um, to to have a, a relationship going forwards. I, it's like the the sand on the 
at the water at Blackpool, but Blackpool South End. I've got Strictly Come Dancing in my mind. Sorry, that that's that tide has ebbed away a long time ago. The, any goodwill between Ron Martin and the fans has disappeared, and, and this is a wonderful gesture by the, the the trust. But that's this month sorted out. It's not that long till next month. They they probably can't afford to do that again. So what? what it's, it's it's one thing Ron Martin playing games with with HMRC, but playing games with his own staff is unforgivable, isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, and, and and what's in it for him? Some people seem to get um, some pleasure. There's no doubt that that running a football club is an expensive business, um, and Ron Martin has put money into the club. Nobody's denying that. But what I think you've also got to do is is to be uh, straight with people and to to ensure that those people who are you know yeah they're not they're on minimum wage or they're on a, or, you know, relatively low wage um you know everybody's struggling at present to to deal with those you know bigger heating bills fuel bills food bills and so on and and to put people under such pressure under those circumstances just seems ridiculously harsh and and shows a lack of empathy with, as, as being a human being. Mm. Uh, two teams a long way away geographically have published their latest accounts, Kieran. Yes. Um, first of all, we've got Bristol City um, and um, they, they only lost half a million pounds a week um, in the championship last season, and people say, "Well done." You know, I thought football returned to the real world. You know, COVID has gone. Um, how on earth is this the case? Um, you know, Bristol City are actually, uh, as a business, uh, run in quite a good way in the sense that there's been quite a lot of ground development there, and they're trying to do the things which you know, we've, we've spoken about on the show on many occasions in terms of trying to get it to generate money 360 odd days a year as opposed to the 25 to 30. Um, but they're still not there. The, the, the wage bill is high. I think uh, they 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 were in a danger of, of breaching financial fair play, but some of the changes in the rules to FFP on the back of COVID have probably seen them get through that okay. Um, but they, they, they're going to have a problem in 22, 23. Um, they're they're indebted to the owner Steve Lansdowne. I think people might have heard of Hargreaves Lansdowne, sort of the the finance house. Um, he he successfully run that. He's also involved with with Bristol Rugby. Um, he is a local lad, but the, the amount of money that he's put into the club is is you know, around about two hundred million. And and you wonder why on earth would would anybody continue to do this because. When was the last time Bristol City were in the playoffs? When was the last time they were challenging for promotion? Um, and he's, it's costing him half a million quid a week for the privilege. Mm. Uh, and the other uh, accounts come from Scotland, Kieran. Yes, um, this is this is Aberdeen, um, and yeah, I, I probably should be castigated for this. I, we know that the Scottish Premiership is going to be won by by Celtic or Rangers. Um, but I always thought, well, yeah, Aberdeen aren't too far away, and in my mind, uh, I've always got them with, you know, perhaps Hibs and Hearts as 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 chasing third place, and and, and that that could be beneficial in, in Scottish football because potentially it's going to get you into uh, a Europa League place um, or, or or the um, 
the Europa Conference. Um, so uh, Aberdeen had an absolute stinker of a season uh, last year. I think they finished third bottom of the Premiership. And again, you know, does that mean that they, they they ran a tight ship financially? Well, they, they lost around about five million quid, and this is this is you know I've, I've always said that that Scottish football in the main is is run uh, on a on a break even basis, um, but this is what happens when a, a club that that does have a, a, a an ambition, and, and I think their ambition is to try to get a, a European place, doesn't achieve that. It commits itself to wages um, that are effectively not sustainable, and and it ends up losing a significant amount of money. Um, and uh, I think Aberdeen are trying to move from Pitodri uh, at present to uh, to a new ground, which again will be more multifunction than what they have at present, in order to try to generate uh, more cash to to try to live on more of an even keel. Yeah, our penultimate story, Kieran, is straight out of the annals of John le Carre. Uh, it's a, a proper spy story, conspiracy theory one, isn't it? Yes, um, this is this is Serbia, um, and um, the Serbian government um, isn't particularly keen on democracy, and isn't particularly keen on a uh, a free press as such. And uh, the, the the person that's got a stake in, um, I think he's got a stake, it's either Southampton or West Ham. Um, he has a TV station, which which was bidding for the, the Premier League rights. And therefore, that effectively gave his TV channels, um, who are in opposition to the government, an opportunity to um, show some dissent. So... What's happened is the the Serbian government popped along and said uh, we'll offer the the Premier League ten times the amount of money as uh, as this guy, and uh, clearly that you know on the back of that they picked up the deal. You know the Premier League, as always, blinded by the check, doesn't want to get involved in politics unless it sort unless it suits the Premier League, of course. Um, which means that uh, another opportunity to have um, an independent voice to question the official version um, which is you know one of the benefits of of any form of democracy um, is being squashed and, and it allows an authoritarian regime via football to um, control the media and have a greater stranglehold um, over dissent yeah if there are any Serbian journalists listening to this and I, I... I say that with some confidence because it's amazing how many people from various backgrounds do. I'd be really interested if they were willing to come on. They wouldn't have to give a name if they were uh, reluctant to do so. But this is a story I'm struggling to really get the ins and outs of just from internet research. I would love to hear from somebody uh, who's able to give us some insight, unless, of course, that journalist is undercover and working for the government, in which case... <laughs> uh, we'd have been completely taken in, but it's a it's a really interesting story and one that connects a lot of. Uh, well, it, it sort of leads nicely into our last story, Kieran. Mm. We we started with FIFA. The first of many discussions we'll be having about them in weeks, months, years to come, and we end with FIFA. And somebody, we probably have to extend the naughty stare because Infantino and Blatter take up quite a lot of space on it. But this per- this person's got a chair of his own, basically, isn't he? Yes, this is uh, Jack Walker. And for those people uh, not Jack familiar, Warner. Jack Walker. 
Sorry, Jack Jack Warner. Sorry, um, this this is Jack Warner. Um, and for those people not familiar with Jack, he is the uh, this he is the Trinidad and Tobago representative. But he's also been very senior and influential in Caribbean football um, for many years. Now, um, I used to teach in Trinidad, um, and Jack Warner was. Um, well known in in local circles there for being, shall we say, a a, uh, a controversial politician who seemed to have his uh, hands in many activities. Um, he was also a, a FIFA exec member and uh, was involved in the awarding of the 2018 World Cup to Russia and the 2022 World Cup to Qatar. Um, and uh, the, the FBI, in its investigations, seemed to think that large sums of money arrived in some of Jack Warner's accounts, and perhaps that warranted greater scrutiny. So, so what's happened is that uh, that Jack Warner, through his political connections in in Trinidad, was able to um, to block an extradition request by the FBI to have him tried in respect of uh, some form of embezzlement, some form of uh, uh, misappropriation of funds um, for, for nefarious purposes. And uh, the Trinidad authorities said, no, Jack Warner, yeah, fine, upstanding uh, citizen. Um, we're not going to extradite him, but um, it's gone to another court. He's lost his appeal. And it, uh, yeah, he in theory can be extradited, but yeah, given the nature of law, um, there are appeals upon appeals upon appeals, and no doubt he's going to fight this because uh, the the FBI have a very uh, very long file on Jack Warner. Um, I think part of that file was given to given to them by the, uh, the superbly named and no longer with us. Chuck Blazer, yeah. um, who again a, a FIFA member with a with an interesting uh, backstory and uh, an interesting interesting cash, uh, but here, Chuck Blazer died a few years ago. Um, if he does lose this and, and gets held up, it, it goes to court. Um, I think it would be a fascinating one to to pop down and uh, uh, and uh, chew some popcorn uh, whilst listening to Jack Warner defend himself and the prosecution. Uh, look, look at quite a number of transactions in terms of his uh, his, his personal banking activities. Yeah, Chuck Blazer always had the look of Father Christmas about him, but a Father Christmas who was just being photographed by the police after being arrested, <laughs> being arrested after a night out in Lapland. Um, I, I, I'm hoping Jack Warner spent most of his money uh, fighting the FBI and won't worry too much about the fact that I suggest he's also a ticket tout on a global scale, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> they see run his own ticket agency, and it, it seemed that tickets for various World Cups were available at all prices, especially the $2,000 and above price. <laughs> uh, now, I've got, I've got some what I think is exciting news, Kieran. We've had some cracking interviews lately, and we are considering, because the interviews have been so long and so good, that we might uh, release some of them as separate things, just drop them into your files or however the technical stuff works. I don't know. Guy's very vague on the detail in case we find out and go it alone. Uh, next week, we have, Kieran, an expert on the history and economics of football programmes, which I am very excited about. Um, and we thought that we'd give you, our lovely listeners, the chance to throw in a couple of questions yourself. If you've got a programme, from that you've, uh, an odd, obscure game that you want to know about, 
just um, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com and put programs in brackets and we'll put them to our program expert. Um, I already know I've got quite a collection of Palace programs. Unfortunately, um, A, they're cluttering up most of our uh, sort of workroom studio. Uh, I also know they're not worth that much because I haven't got one complete season. Just for some reason, I can't remember why, two games a season, I, I didn't get a program. I don't know why I did that. Thus rendering all the rest worthless. What you, Kieran? What do you drink for a teetotaler? You make a lot of noise drinking stuff. You know that. <laughs> I, I've, I've been I've been on the radio since half past five this morning, non-stop. So I'm 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 desperate for water. Um, I can just about talk. And during the course of this program, I've had a text from Colin Murray uh, to say any chance of coming on at half past 10 tonight to which of course i can't turn, turn down colin murray so i i think i'm going to be on my own naughty step with the baroness because she's not seen me all day yeah give colin murray my love won't you um also i'd like to point out kieran i've been watching quite a remarkable series on bbc one about the history of the sas fighting the germans and the italians in the desert i don't think they'd be that sympathetic towards you not having enough water because you were doing radio stuff all day those were men that fought for twenty four hours on one drop of water. Kieran, they they would lick a, they would lick a stamp and use that moisture for twenty four hours. They won't be worried about you not being able to get your filtrated water in your little sniff of quinoa. <laughs> I've lost my thread now. Yeah, programs because I, I I remember I think it's about nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty two, going to a derby game and we lost our shit because they had an A four program and we we'd never seen anything like it. So I'm really looking forward to that interview, um, and I hope you have some many questions for us. Uh, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod. So many questions, that's terrible, isn't it? Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that would be very kind. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. We'll be back on Monday with our usual questions pod. If you have a question you'd like answered, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell, which is obviously going to be short because he's parched. <laughs> he's not had a drop of water for hours because he's so in demand and, and, and this is why i'm not in the sas if, if, if people have been wondering they say oh he knows his spreadsheets did he ever an earlier career in the sas well that's why i'm not there you know and i openly admit it there are, so, so, kieran there are many things we wonder about you on this pod why, <laughs> why you're not in the sas as well also my um my father-in-law god rest his soul his his last stint as a he was a methodist superintendent which is a punishment officer i think in the methodist church i never quite got to the bottom of it but he was in hereford for the last five years of his his career which i just any pub in hereford you go to inevitably you start talking to a stranger he's in the sas <laughs> every single one you think mate you're 20 stone you've had about 18 pints of cider since i was in if you're in the sas you are either deep undercover or you're a liar it's as simple as that but... brilliant sorry i'm croaking it um yes customary farewell okay. <laughs> customary farewell sorry yes <laughs> i have completely lost my, my train get, of thought here. we need to get you to an oasis as quickly as possible we, we do. yes um oh thank you to everybody from patreon for supporting the show thank you for all the kind words um and also thank you to um our our fans in in iran um yeah. we we did have some uh, communication from them when when I mentioned that uh, the Baroness 
was uh, supporting uh, Iran uh, against England, uh, and and uh, it, it was very sad to read you know, that they said actually we would rather that England won the match and could I have a word with the with the Baroness and, and uh, you know I, I explained how a how a uh, how a uh, you know our sweepstake system works and, and had a long chat. Um, there's there's some very terrible things happening there, and uh, we we just send our love and best wishes to to our listeners there. Um, and uh, yeah, the Baroness uh, did cheer when England scored each of the six goals. If if that's any very very minor consolation for you when she heard the story. Um, if you if you want to support the show in another way, you can go onto your uh, on, onto your app. Um, and if, if you want to give us five stars, it helps us in the charts. It helps us with the algorithms. Um, you can write whatever you want. You can even say you would rather have the show presented by Penelope Pitstop and Captain Sensible of the Dam. I've just got tickets to see the Dam next April, and I'm really looking forward to that. He is surprisingly sensible, Captain Sensible. Dis- <laughs> disappointingly so, I find. Uh, although, to be fair, uh, the Iranian players took a very brave stance, I thought, Kieran, by not sing- mm. singing the national anthem. So again, it's a, it's a political situation that's far more nuanced and complicated than we know. But as you say, we send our love and best wishes to all our listeners in Iran, and we hope you are safe and well. Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. I'm for the